0: eclipse is the total solar eclipse is just around the corner and I must ask that famous catechetical question what does this mean I'm going to take a closer look at the upcoming total solar eclipse and what it means what we can what to look for how to prepare for it and uh and and and, well hopefully answer some of your questions regarding that as well Thanks for joining me. I'm Eddie Bates. You're listening to Faith and Family. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, their great support of Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Find them in the sponsor section on our website, kfuo.org. Look for C-U-W in the logo section. Joining me by phone this morning, Professor Brent Royak, He's physics professor and dean of arts and sciences at Concordia University, Nebraska. Professor Royuk, welcome to Faith and Family.
1: Hey, good morning, Andy. It's uh, nice to talk to you today.
0: Nice to have you as our guest and to uh, to learn about this upcoming solar eclipse, total solar eclipse. And uh, that will be uh, observable from many parts of the United States, but uh, especially from Seward, Nebraska, home of Concordia University. And uh, a big event planned there, I understand, to, uh, to observe this total solar eclipse.
1: Well, that's right. Um, we first noticed that we were going to be in the path of totality, oh, mid, mid-2014, mid and uh, I, I just couldn't believe that we were so fortunate to be within this uh, 70-mile band of totality, and uh, as we got closer to the event, we broadened the discussion out to our campus community and said, hey, What we really need to do is try to provide a service for school groups that are going to be outside the band who might want to come in and view it with us. Um, If if, if there's a big difference between partial and total, and as we we looked at all the the schools in Nebraska that we we have relationships with that are outside the band, we just wanted to uh, give them some logistical support. Uh, if if uh, a school needs to travel 20 miles to get into the band, they, they can't just load their students up in a bus and go out into the country. They need a place to park and have restrooms and water and uh, keep all the students sitting together. So we are opening up our stadium. And we had a registration webpage and ended up having 2,300 uh, visitors huh. register. Wow. Um, lot, lots of chaperones, along with the students, uh, you, as you might imagine would happen. And so uh, we were really pleased with, with such a big number, and so there's been a lot of uh, logistical planning on our end to, to make sure that we, we can handle the, the number of people and uh, kind of plan how we're going to view the eclipse together.
0: Now, you mentioned that, that uh, Seward is in that path of totality and parts of Missouri here around the St. Louis area as well are in that path of totality. What does that mean?
1: Well, um, if you are outside that path, every part of the United States next Monday will experience some partial eclipse of the sun. And the moon will be in front of the sun to some extent. But if you're outside of the path, you will only only ever see part of the Sun be covered by the disc of the moon so there's this this band of totality that is the path of the moon's you know roughly circular shadow as it it passes across the United States uh, from west to east um, traveling at over a thousand miles per hour and so if you're in the path you will you will see the Sun get blacked out uh, for some duration and uh, that's, that's really kind of special. It's a, it's a lot more dramatic than the partial eclipse, which, you know, is still pretty interesting. But, uh, but totality is what everyone is, is really looking for.
0: So it's going to be pretty dark in totality then in the stadium there at Concordia.
1: Yes. Um, it's, it's a progressive thing. And so you watch the... the moon shadow start to appear on the Sun and start to take a circular bite out of it and then the the Sun's shape will gradually change into you know kind of like a fingernail like you see with the when the moon is small it's it's just a sliver of, of Sun and then in the path of totality it will entirely wink out so right at the very last moment there's just a little bit of sun shining around the moon and it, and they call that the diamond ring phase and then uh the the contours of the the mountains and valleys on the moon actually cause uh this phenomenon that's called Bailey's beads right at the last moment before totality where there might be little discrete um bright uh dots of sun and then it goes dark and it's it's not midnight dark it's not Uh, like the middle of the night, but it's like late twilight Mm -hmm. and you can see some of the brighter stars in the sky, you can see some planets, Um, but what's really amazing is the view of the Sun itself, because people who, I I haven't had the blessing of seeing that yet myself, but people who've seen it use very strong emotional language to describe how, how awesome and wonderful it is. There's this totally black center of the sun where the moon is and then you get to see the coronal atmosphere of the sun which are it's kind of like the flames that come off of the burning sun which are normally uh, not visible because the the brightness of the sun's discs uh, doesn't let you see those and so you can see some solar prominences uh, which are the the variations in brightness of those those sun flames Uh, and the the variation in the corona is more visible to the visible eye than it is with cameras, because when you take a, a photograph, you have to kind of choose your exposure, and so you can see some of the corona that is bright or some of it that's very dim, depending on your exposure, but the human eye has a better dynamic range to be able to see all that variation at once. So that's why there are a lot of people that are eclipse chasers, and once they've seen their first total eclipse, they just they, they have to see another one.
0: Understandably so. It's something you don't get to see very often, and some, some only once in a lifetime.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, when, when I first found out about the eclipse, I, I went to all these wonderful online solar eclipse calculators that we have access to now, And I uh, opened up this, uh, and I would encourage your listeners to play around with this. It's really fun. If you just Google Interactive Eclipse Map, there's a good one from NASA. And I really like the one that's been created by uh, Xavier Joubier, uh, a French uh, computer scientist. And you can pull up an interactive map that is, you know, zoomable and move it around like a normal Google map and then click on any point on that map and it will give you the eclipse lo- logistics for that location. So, 3 years ago, I I put the dot right on the center of our stadium and I said, "Oh my goodness, we're going to get 90.5 seconds of totality." Wow. So, I was I was going around to people on campus and saying, "Do you realize we're going to get 91 seconds of totality on in August of of uh 2017?" And they they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> uh, but uh i think it's going to be worth the wait
0: what what else might we experience during that time of totality i know we're ex- you know we're expecting uh, about the same uh here in missouri uh, about the same amount of time i believe and what might we experience during that time of totality well, even as it as it approaches and then as it uh a- after it uh, i guess fades off
1: right right the 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 sun, as I described, is really the star, uh, mm-hmm. to make a pun. Uh, <laughs> it's, and so you'll be wanting to look for that. But you need to kind of look around and take in the environment as well. A um, uh, lot lot is made of you know nocturnal animals thinking that night has arrived, and so you might be listening for crickets chirping. Uh, as the the sun gets progressively smaller, it will get cooler during the day. And uh, I I've read that. You can expect a possible 10-degree Fahrenheit drop in temperature. If you have a view of the horizon, there's, there's uh, beautiful sunset colors that appear in 360 degrees around you. Hmm. And it's, it's like that late twilight sunset you sometimes see where you, you get these dim rainbow colors all, all around you. So that will be uh, something that you can look for if you have a long view.
0: Wow, and I've I've read a few articles about uh, wildlife that uh, we might anticipate, and and the change in temperature as well. The, right, right. From the uh, the birds, you know, who are uh, beginning to uh, roost because they they think that uh, the day is ending, or when the when the sun appears again, uh, they they start to sing as though it's early in the morning.
1: Right, right. Uh, they. They don't know any better. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll be expecting it, but it will come as a surprise to them
0: even even swarms of mosquitoes, because of the the change in uh, daylight and and temperature as well,
1: yeah, yeah um, that it, it would be interesting to put that into uh, part of your decision making database <laughs> as 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 your listeners think about whether they plan to get into the band of totality and where to make their observations because, you know, a, a rural location might, might be better for that.
0: How do you view this eclipse safely? How, how will you be preparing the, uh, the many people who are coming to the stadium for the uh, viewing of the eclipse?
1: Right. Um, also, four years ago, I bought my first pair of eclipse glasses, and I, I was showing them to people, and they'd put them on, and they'd say, I can't see anything.
0: <laughs> <And
1: they're>, exactly. <laughs> yes, they're, they're very uh, high-percentage filters, so that when you look through them, you can only see extremely bright things like the sun itself. So these have been selling like hotcakes. I'm, I'm sure fortunes have been made uh, in the run-up to this, you know, the most populated solar eclipse in history, uh, and there's been a lot of, coverage in the news about safety concerns, about whether these are actually certified glasses or counterfeits that don't really do the, what they should. One thing that can kind of comfort everyone is the fact that eclipses are not uniquely dangerous. Um, if you're worried about looking at an eclipse and hurting your eyes, you can apply those same worries just to the, the normal sun in the sky. And we don't tend to worry about, oh, no, what if I look at the sun and hurt my eyes? Because if we look at the sun, it's, it's too bright and we get dazzled and our startle reflex causes us to look away because it hurts. So during the partial eclipse, we're going to really be interested in seeing the shape of the sun. That's, that's going to be interesting to us. So if you try to look at it with your naked eye, you just won't be able to. And, and that's where the eclipse glasses come in because they're so dim that they let you look right at the sun. So the, the thing that you, you need to make sure is that those eclipse glasses also block ultraviolet rays. Because if you're staring right at the sun and seeing that interesting shape during the partial eclipse, it would be bad if, if uh, ultraviolet rays were able to get through at that time. But that doesn't seem to be the issue with with the counterfeit glasses as far as I can tell I think um, if the, if they're sufficiently dim then they're generally going to uh, block the UV pretty well also uh, when you get to totality you can look with your naked eye and you need to because it will be so dim at that point that if you look through your eclipse glasses you're just not going to see the details that, that you want to be able to see so um, how can you tell that it's time? Well, it, it's going to be pretty obvious. Uh, there will be the, the diamond ring and, and Bailey's beads right at the end, and then it's going to be super dim. So so you can kind of trust your own startle reflex to make sure that you, you prevent damage from looking at the sun, but there is no, no special danger associated with the eclipse situation.
0: No, as you said, no special danger. It's... Uh... Is if you were looking at the sun any other day, and your body would respond, your, your uh, reflexes would respond, and you'd right, be startled. Right.
1: Hmm. I, I had a friend uh, say that one, one uh, concern that they had heard about is that when you are looking at totality, and then after totality ends, you get back to the diamond ring phase, at that moment in time, there will be a sudden influx of, of bright light that comes to your eyes. But um, I, I think the startle reflex will help you out there as well. Uh, there was one time when I was working in the, the laboratory as a, a graduate student, and we had an ultraviolet light source that was kind of shining down the bench towards where we were making measurements. And it, it was not bright in the visible spectrum, but just bright in the ultraviolet spectrum. And so unknowingly, I was looking into the the light source uh, more than I should have. And I didn't know it at the time, but when I woke up the next morning, I discovered that I had sunburned my retinas. Oh, and yeah, and it's, it's uh, you know, you, you that can happen to you at the beach if you're, you know, in the bright sun for a long time. Snow blindness is sort of the same phenomenon as well. It's it's ultraviolet damage to your retinas, but it kind of felt like um, my eyes were itchy and it, I always felt like there was sand that I was trying to rub out of them the next day, but it, it um, healed rather quickly. So you know that that would ultimately be the type of risk that you'd be running is that you might get sunburned retinas.
0: So being mindful of that especially if viewing this with children and making sure that they're protected as well when when viewing this and that they understand the the, the safety measures.
1: Yes uh, you wouldn't want them trying to uh, outdo each other uh, by taking the viewing to the pain threshold probably right, right. Uh, but, but there there is pain associated with the brightness and as long as you obey your nerves i think you'll be okay
0: how has this been how has this eclipse been a part of your classes and your preparation for this have you been discussing this in any of your classes
1: well going back to the you know three year warning uh i also was able to then tell people well we have the academic calendar set for 1718 and this will be the first day of school at concordia university <laughs> so uh, we got to inform all our professors that yeah we're we're going to uh, take a couple hours off from class on the day of the total eclipse so you won't get that first day, uh, and uh, we'll have to make up for it uh, the rest of the of the term. So we we haven't had a chance to be in class yet. Uh, we are we're mobilizing some of our science majors to volunteer at the event and run the concession stand and interact with our student visitors. Uh, but it's, it's mostly going to kind of be after-the-fact follow-up.
0: Tell me more about the event uh, for those who are attending at uh, the stadium there at Concordia University, Nebraska. Will there? Uh, do you have a, a special soundtrack lined up for the event? <laughs> uh, Why, well, yes, we do. <laughs> we do want some
1: music playing in the background, and uh, we've put together some... You know, pop tunes that uh, make appropriate references. Total Eclipse of the Heart and Here Comes the Sun are obvious choices. <laughs> and uh, interspersed it with some Christian favorites about you know the the wonder and awesomeness of God. Uh, it's been fun to plan. It's it's uh, I've I've gained a lot of respect for the event planners on our campus because they've really been doing the heavy lifting with all the details that need to be figured out. But you know, there aren't really re- re- uh, rules for how you have a mass observation of an astronomical event, right? So we, for instance, uh, sat around the table and said, well, we're going to start with a, a welcome and opening prayer, of course, but how about we all sing the national anthem as well? <laughs> it seems
0: appropriate, You're at right? a stadium.
1: <laughs> we're, we're all gathered together in, in uh, this great nation, and so we will uh, all sing the national anthem together, as we uh, watch the sun get smaller and smaller and then wink out. And of course, the one thing we can't prepare for is weather. Uh, one, of, I think, a saying that eclipse watchers have is, hey, what's what's the best place to view a total eclipse? Answer is, anywhere there are no clouds. <laughs> so uh, that's something that you just can't control. So I've I've been kind of having progressive chest pain as the the long-range weather forecast changes back and forth from totally clear to mostly cloudy. And then today we had another change toward the better, so um, we're hopeful that that we're going to have a clear view of the sun, but there's just no guarantee. So uh, one of the things that we'll be doing is uh, I'll I'll be on the microphone with my uh, science physics professor colleague, Dr. Rob Herman, and we're going to kind of do Eclipse play-by-play. That, that seems reasonable too, right? Sure. So uh, we'll, we'll think we've been working on a uh, program to break in every 15 minutes or so and give people updates on, on how we're progressing. We're going to have some animations running on the video board in our stadium, and we're going to have the scoreboard counting down to totality. <laughs> so I think uh, it'll be a fun group experience for us. Uh, I could see this being very enjoyable for individuals who are just, you know, out in, in totality all by themselves, but I think it will also be pretty fun to have, you know, it could be four or 5,000 people all together, and, and uh, I think we're going to hear things kind of like you hear at fireworks shows with uh, oohs and ahs when we when we reach totality.
0: Absolutely, and the uh, all the other changes going on around as well. Perhaps the crickets, the birds, other other animals we might hear, and the, the change in temperature. I, I, it's going to be quite an event. What time is uh, totality expected at uh, in Seward? It'll
1: be one o one p.m. for us, and you know this shadow moves so fast. There's a lot of people who are around, you know, that same time of day along the path. But it, it's nice that. Since we're on daylight saving time, 1 p.m. is local noon when the sun is at its zenith. And, and so that's good for us. It'll be, it'll be pretty close in the St. Louis area, too. Um, I, I'm fascinated by this whole sociological question about how many people are going to be migrating into the path of totality on Monday. And, you know, here in Nebraska, for instance, our biggest population center is Omaha. And there's about 900,000 people. In that metro area, and I I just wonder what percentage of them are going to prioritize travel into the band on that day, and will Interstate 80 be able to handle that? <laughs> but that that's actually uh, you know even more interesting of a question in the St. Louis metro, where the the band uh, almost bisects the metro area, kind of going uh, northwest to southeast, so. Uh, people in the St. Louis area, I'd I'd really encourage you to pull up some of those maps and look at how much totality you get because as you pass into the band from out of the band you can figure out how many seconds you get. And of course people who are at the midpoint are going to get two and a half minutes or so, right? But it doesn't take too many miles into the band to get up above uh, a minute. So you know, there at the International Center, um, that's going to be 90, 97 seconds.
0: Hmm.
1: Not, not too far into the band, but 97 seconds, that's a nice long total eclipse. But uh, I've, I've also watched the newscasts as they, as they describe this, and I, I think they haven't really been making the point very well that there's really a big difference between 99.5% and 100%. Because 100% is the only way that you really get into that, that zone of darkness and, and can see the corona.
0: With uh, the event coming up just next Monday, is there still room at the stadium? Uh, or are you all filled up for next week?
1: Well, you know, uh, when you start talking crowd capacities, which we have been doing lately, uh, you can fit a lot of people into an area. <laughs> so when we we have plenty of area in the in the stadium and uh we don't know how many people are going to walk in from off the street uh we'll probably get some seward residents who'd like to come and be with a big group that you know that would be fun uh i just keep thinking you know if 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 you're from a place in nebraska that's outside the band you probably wouldn't be going to seward you'd probably be travel more to the mid section of the of the path of totality so um, I think we'll we'll be fine, but we, we expect to have four thousand people, and and it'll be interesting to do some crowd estimates and see whether it ends up being closer to five thousand. We we just don't know.
0: Very good. Well, I'm sure that this is a is certainly a highlight of your career as a physics professor as well. <laughs> Something to uh, to uh, to uh, I'm sure to write about and to uh, to keep, to keep some great memories from this as well.
1: Well, that's very true. Uh, we've been laughing. Uh, Dr. Herman and I, because as physics teachers, we are often working very hard to just get our students to care about physics you know, <laughs> and to try to make it as relevant to their every life as, as we can. And so here we have uh, something that is kind of inherently a physics event. And so we've been getting a lot more attention than we're used to. And I don't know if you can say we're exactly enjoying it, but, but it has been very fun. Uh, but we inviting these people to campus is really just a way for us to kind of share God's love with them and, and enjoy the wonder of creation here in a Christian environment where, you know, God, God blesses all his people with the wonders of his creation, and, and someone who, who doesn't know God can still look at something like a total eclipse and just be dazzled and, and feel like they're in the presence of, of something that is transcendental. And it's a real blessing to know that it is our God who gives us that blessing, so we can not only appreciate it for its inherent natural majesty, but as a way for us to uh, see the heavens declare the glory of God, as Psalm 19 says.
0: Professor Brent Royuk, physics professor and dean of arts and sciences, Concordia University, Nebraska, thank you for sharing with us today about this upcoming total solar eclipse. Very good. Thanks, Andy. More Faith and Family on the way. Our friend, Pastor Warren Worth, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. We're going to continue our conversation about the total solar eclipse. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.
2: This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, President of Life Issues Institute.
3: You probably weren't aware that seven states are now down to just one abortion facility. Yes, just one killing center remains in Missouri, Kentucky, Mississippi, North and South Dakota, Wyoming, and West Virginia. Both pro-lifers and those who support abortion see this as a crucial moment in the battle to end abortion. After one state ends the killing, more states will be encouraged to do the same. Imagine having states with no abortion mills. Some say the state to watch is Kentucky because of its passionately pro-life governor, Matt Bevan and the pro-life legislature. The governor lives his conviction, having nine children, four of them adopted. Please pray daily for Kentucky and the other six states
2: in their efforts to be abortion free.
0: Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay
2: informed. More informed than you've ever been. Hi, we're Jonathan, Matthew, and Nathaniel Clayton. We listen to KFO every chance we get. One of the shows we like is Thy Strong Word, hosted by Pastor Whedon. One thing I love about Thy Strong Word is how they are able to tie in what great church fathers have said about the passages. I like that Thy Strong Word gets through a whole chapter of the Bible each day and shows the things you never even knew were there. What I like about Thy Strong Word is that Pastor Reed and the host is fun and always energetic as he studies the text. We would encourage you to listen to KFUO every chance you get, just, just like, like we do. do. God's Word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever. I'm William Whedon,
3: LCMS Director of Worship. We romp through the sacred scriptures rejoicing in the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. Thy Strong Word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO, underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit them on the web at lhfmissions.org.
2: Visitors are flocking to Wittenberg, Germany this year for the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation. You, too, can follow in Luther's footsteps through a new two-part video called The Luther Mile. Tour the cradle of the Reformation with LCMS President Rev. Dr. Matthew Harrison as he provides facts and anecdotes of historic Reformation sites. Watch The Luther Mile at lutheranreformation.org luthermile. Lutheran
1: yesterday, Lutheran today, Lutheran always. Hi, this is Rich Robertson, President and CEO of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Since the Reformation, the task of every Lutheran has been to make known the love of Christ. Since 1847, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has pursued this mission by word and deed. And since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has been the LCMS-based financial partner to help make the gospel of Christ heard. You can feel good partnering with LCEF because we share your Lutheran beliefs yesterday, today, and always. Find out more at lcef.org. Worldwide KFUO is faithful to the Holy Scriptures. Our talk programs, music programs, and worship services focus on the message of salvation through Christ. Generations of families have confidence in KFUO to proclaim a clear, unwavering message of Christ crucified for sins. Faithful Scriptural Lutheran. We are Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news.
0: You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. The total solar eclipse just around the corner coming up Monday, August 21st. In studio with me today, Pastor Warren Worth, our favorite pastor who talks all things creation, matters of creation, and not just creation, not just our creator, but also our Redeemer as well. Pastor Worth, good morning, sir. Good morning to be with you again. Glad to have you in studio, and I pray all things are well at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. They are gearing up for a, uh, well, for a Sunday in God's Word and then a Monday, uh, observing the, the magnificence of His creation.
3: Absolutely. This is something really exciting to, to see and hope everybody gets a chance to see it. I hope the weather cooperates for <laughs> us, uh, that we'll be able to see this. And, uh, you know, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to to just be in awe and wonder at the Creator, who is behind creation. And and then just look for those opportunities to bear witness as we talk to our family, our friends, our neighbors about what does this mean in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, how are we to understand not just the mechanics of how a solar eclipse happens, but the fact that We can predict it because the Creator designed the universe in such a way and it gave us the ability with our reason and our senses to observe it that we can see God's hand in these things and where there are predictable patterns that we can map these things out. And for a long, long time, human beings have noticed these patterns, whether it's, you know, going back to Genesis 1 where God created the sun and the moon and said they would be for times and for seasons for days and for years, and, you know, things like Stonehenge and over here the Cah- Cahokia Mounds, you realize that uh, people for a long, long time who didn't maybe have the same understanding of things that we have the opportunity to understand today still did observe the apparent motions of sun, moon, and stars from the standpoint of somebody on planet Earth and try to predict when you could see that and, and it tied in with uh, planting and harvest and a whole lot of other things. And so for us as Christians, we realize that the very when we talk, talk about science, mm-hmm. science rightly understood, you know, we're thinking God's thoughts after him. He designed it. He made it work. And so we look at it and examine it and think about it and say, wow, isn't it cool? I noticed there's this pattern here, you know. And uh, so that's why we can predict Uh, And and then also calculate in the past. So they can look in the past, but the motions of the uh, planets and so forth and say, well, this is when there would have been an eclipse earlier and where on Earth you would have seen it. And in the future, this is where we can see them. And so it's it's a fascinating thing to, to see the interplay of... God as the creator and what he's made in creation and again that he's given us our reason our senses and still preserves them and allows us to look at what he's made and we should then come to the conclusion there is a god and he's awesome <laughs> you know and his his creation is very awesome as well even after the fall into sin
0: i i can only imagine what it will be like to to witness this to see a, a total solar eclipse i remember Uh, In just uh, the last few years, probably maybe two years ago, uh, when my family traveled to Colorado to visit some friends and to see some sights there and going up to the top of one of the mountains and and looking at all of creation around and realizing, you know, not expecting it to be so uh, emotional, um, but to really stand there and look at creation and realize how vast yet how beautiful it is that, that, you know, that God created this. And remembering just how emotional that was, not, not anticipating that it would be an emotional moment, but to, to take that all in, uh, I, I can imagine that uh, this may have that same kind of uh, effect uh, emotionally to, to, to stand in, in wonder and in awe of God's creation.
3: And you know, it, it seems that not only Christians, but even non-Christians have this sense of wonder and awe. Something that uh, Dr. Charles Arend mm-hmm. talks about in that Bible study that he's made available to us. So if our listeners are not aware of it, Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, uh, Dr. Charles Arend has produced a Bible study that our congregations can download and uh, the pastors or lay people can 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 use this and it's on this uh, it is called the Great American Eclipse at our creaturely sense of wonder a Bible study by Charles Aaron you can and, find
0: that at uh, csl.edu they have that uh, they've link to it right on their homepage there
3: mm-hmm. yeah. right and and I, I recommend that people do check it out and pastors if you uh, are Able to consider using it. You can use it for just one Sunday, this coming Sunday, or you can stretch it out over two or three weeks. And so he doesn't limit it to this event, but takes advantage of this event to talk about the whole idea of wonder and awe as you observe creation and recognize there is a creator and that's not you, it's not me, you know, so there is a God. Everything was created by God and we were created by him uh, you know, for his glory and and to talk about God who loved us and still loves us. and and creation uh, exhibits you know, the the beauty. And, and wonder that it does because God is this loving, wise creator. So even if you think about food, you know, we mm-hmm. love to eat. Well, we, we have to eat. We need to eat to live. And yet God created us in such a way that that eating is a wonderful experience. You know, all the flavors and tastes and textures and smells that are involved when we, when we eat is like, you know, God isn't a grump. You know, we have this (laughs) wonderful God who loves us so much. And when he created us and created the world around us, every aspect of it shows his goodness and his love. And so even something like this, the wonder of observing the disk of the moon coming between the sun and the earth and blocking out the light. So then you can see some things that otherwise you can't see because the sun is so bright. So so it's just an astounding thing to see how it... Affects biological life on Earth when when animals uh, think it's time to go to bed when when you look up and you can see uh, planets and stars in the in the daytime uh, and, and things like this. I can't recall if I've ever seen a total eclipse, so I, I would think I must have uh, seen only partial solar eclipses in my lifetime. But this will be something that. Uh, I'm looking forward to, and my children, my grandkids, you know, hopefully we can all observe this together and it will be a great experience.
0: I remember it was 1983 or 84. We had, I believe, a partial eclipse here in Missouri, uh, in the St. Louis area. And I remember... Observing that as best we could in uh, in elementary school, our teacher uh, made it a movie day, <laughs> so that everybody wouldn't be racing to look outside and pulled down the shade and used a you know a pinhole uh, and and cards so that we could observe what it would look like through the you know from the 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 uh, the shadow created through the pinhole, mm-hmm. and and that was how we observed it then. And and I don't think I really grasped at that time what what this. Phenomenon, what this this natural occurrence was uh, at, at all, you know how how great this really is, and now to to have the opportunity to uh, to see it in totality is just uh, well, I, I think outstanding. What are some of the questions that? perhaps you've received or you think that that people may be asking uh I was speaking with a pastor recently who mentioned that you know out in 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 public wearing his clerical people identify him as a pastor and so the asking him questions about this upcoming uh event uh this eclipse that some are seeing as um well that it that it, it might be a sign of something
3: ah Okay, I actually not have not had anybody ask me, even though I do often wear my clerical mm-hmm. when I'm in public. Um, I haven't had anybody ask me about about this. Um, we've, I've talked about it with my family, with friends, with fellow clergy. Uh, I've talked about it, you know with our parishioners, but I haven't actually had anybody just walk up to me and say, "Well, what do you think about this?" But in Preparing for today, I just read all kinds of stuff about this. (laughs) And I'm sorry we only have half an hour because we could go on and on and on talking about this. But I did find a a website where they were talking about is this uh, uh, a sign of the end times. And there are radio and TV preachers, often of a, a Pentecostal or Millennialist bent, that look for lots of signs in whatever's happening in the news. So whether it's what's going on in the Middle East at the time, or whether it's what's going on in the United States today, um, or something like the signs in the, uh, in the heavens. And there are certain preachers that say, ah, this is one of those signs that the uh, end of the world is about to come. And sometimes they point to Joel, you know, in the prophecy of Joel, where he says that the sun will become dark, the moon will become his blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord shall come. Um, but un, a lot of these it's misguided, let's put it that way. I think there's a lot of misguided looking at this because solar eclipses do happen periodically and they happen frequently. Uh, it's not, while it's rare that it comes over right where you live, where mm-hmm. you can see the totality, that is a more rare occurrence, but it's not at all rare that, that, the light from the sun gets blocked by the moon someplace on planet earth. Um, and so uh, to look for a total solar eclipse in the great United States of America or a path through the United States of America as a sign indicating the end of the world, I think, is is barking up the wrong tree. We, we need to be careful. And I would recommend there are good resources uh, at Answers in Genesis, answersingenesis.org, uh, one of their uh, experts that's Uh, On staff there is Dr. Danny Faulkner, and, you know, he's a Bible-believing Christian who's also got his Ph.D. in astronomy, taught astronomy and physics at the University of South Carolina for a number of years, and he's got some articles on there. He's going to actually be someplace else because where the Creation Museum is, it, it is not... Path. It will only be uh, partially eclipsed there. So he's going somewhere else where it is, the path of totality, and will be teaching about it there. But there are a lot of other people who believe in what the Bible teaches about creation that are going around the country teaching people about this. So even at, here in um, New Haven, Missouri, at Camp Trinity, they're having a three-day uh, event there where there will be uh, people who, speaking about the Bible Uh, astronomy and dinosaurs and so forth to help people realize it all ties together because it all comes back to God as creator and that you can believe what the Bible says from the very first verse what God says about creation certainly all is uh, shown to be true and and does not science does not in any way contradict the Bible and people can be confident talking about that and using this as an opportunity to witness to Christ
0: and Jesus told us that no one would know the day or the hour, right? Oh,
3: yes, back to
0: the, the end-of-the-world
3: the stuff. Sure. Right. So, so while well, he does talk about signs, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of signs before the end comes, including wars and rumors of wars and so forth, and he talks about signs in the heavens and so forth, and there will be signs, particularly the the sun, moon, and stars. He talks about the things at the very end, But I I don't think that it's the kind of thing where, like, a a predictable solar eclipse is something that you can say, okay, this is it, guys. So uh, think how many times people have been date setters predicting the end of the world and have been wrong and and if you just listen to what jesus says no one knows that day or hour so he tells us that we should always be watching keep on watching always be prepared and how are we prepared for the end of the world by repenting of our sins by believing that jesus is the son of god who died for us and rose again so that we could have forgiveness so as we repent and believe and live that life to which god calls us in christ jesus we lift up our heads with joy uh, knowing that our redemption draws near, and we're ready every day, even though we are, don't fall into that trap of trying to predict the day or the hour. Knowing that that's something reserved to God Himself, that we don't know that.
0: So we've not figured out some secret code that the this is uh, this this total eclipse is some secret uh, sign that's that, that's going to reveal to us that it's the end of the world. We've ruled that out. So uh, thankfully, by God's word. So this is a. A, a is a natural phenomenon. The the, the appropriate way to describe sure. it. Yes, yes, certainly. That uh, and a and magnificent uh, opportunity to to or an opportunity to view this magnificent creation. And as you shared, this is a, a great opportunity to also speak about our Creator and our Redeemer.
3: And let me, again, recommend some resources in addition to that Bible study that we mentioned before and some good things that are available at Answers in Genesis. I would like to commend the people in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to the new materials coming out from our national office for personal evangelism called Everyone His Witness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reverend Dr. Mark Wood had a big hand in that and I think it's an outstanding resource. And so I commend this to our listeners to check it out, ask their pastors if they can learn about this in their congregation and use this in their own personal devotional life. One of the things that they use there is LASI. Have you heard about that, the whole idea of uh, the uh, acronym LASI? Listen, Mm -hmm.
0: Ask, Seek, Share, Invite. Encourage.
3: There you go. You've got it memorized there. Eh? Good for <laughs> you. Good for you. And I would say that provides something that would perhaps make it easy to take an event like this, right. when perhaps you're watching this in company of other people, some of them maybe are Christians, some of them maybe are not Christians, and as you're visiting with them and establishing a rapport with them and being friendly with them, that the opportunity may arise as you do this, as you're listening to them, asking questions, and looking for these opportunities where... Where you can eventually share this good news that you have in Jesus Christ and you, you know it doesn't mean you have to grab them by the lapels and say brother are you saved <laughs> or something like this but you can lovingly talk about it. isn't it wonderful the way god created the universe that we are allowed to see something so magnificent and inspiring as this event and that it's predictable for the very reason that God made the universe in such a way that it it is predictable and he's given us the reason and senses to observe what he's made, to think about it, reflect on it, recognize patterns and so forth and recognize things. And so with math and science, which again are gifts that God has allowed us to have through the gift of our reason to be able to calculate things like this. And it's, it's um, that, that's a, a cool thing, but it speaks to something much greater, much higher. You know, if, if, if human beings have the ability to calculate these things and recognize these things, how much greater is the one who created it and created us to be able to appreciate beauty and awe and wonder, and to be able to look at these things and recognize the patterns and the mathematical relationships of the uh, motions and apparent motions of celestial bodies and so forth. So it's a, an opportunity to talk and for me it's one thing to talk about God it's another to get specific and talk about Jesus because as wonderful as this is and as much as people says you don't want to miss this it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance it's really cool it's really spectacular It's awesome imagine missing out on salvation by missing Jesus by having the opportunity there's a church on every church on every street corner but you say, eh, I'm not interested in that. I'm too busy for that. And you wind up missing out on believing in Jesus Christ and re- receiving the salvation that only he can give. You know, So as, as cool as it is to see the sun, S-U-N, in the sky and it getting blocked out by the moon, how much more spectacular will it be to see the sun, S-O-N, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, When he comes again as king of kings and lord of lords and and to be in his presence and and where there's no more need for the light of the sun or the moon because christ himself will be our light and we will be in his presence in the new creation the new heavens and the new earth the home of righteousness that he's prepared for us as he lived and suffered and died so that we can have that gift of eternal life with him
0: jesus christ is the light of the world the light, the light no darkness can overcome.
3: Yes, isn't that a wonderful thing to share, a good way to talk to people about that, what that means.
0: <laughs> so this uh, this eclipse, observing this eclipse and and everything that leads up to it and everything that follows it will certainly provide opportunities for conversations about our Creator and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And part of it is just having the heart and the eyes and the awareness, you know, to to say, oh, yeah, I, we can talk about this. We can, we can use this as an opportunity to talk about Christ. And you don't have to be obnoxious. I think that's one of the things. Sometimes when Christians are afraid to witness, they don't want to come across as holier than thou. They want to be obnoxious or pushy. But it's just as natural as talking about anything else that you are passionate about. So somebody who loves to talk about fishing or baseball or, you know, their hobby, this is something, too, you can talk about the fact that you looked your love for the the Lord who loved you first you see and how cool creation is
0: you mentioned everyone is witness and the Lassie approach to uh, to witnessing it's relational you know contextual understanding the the circumstances of the the person you're you're listening to and speaking to what is it from have you attended everyone is witness or
3: well, I haven't had the in our congregation uh, Mark Wood has taught uh, or given us the overview of it a couple of times in our circuit pastors' conferences. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about it from that standpoint. And I'm hoping this fall that we'll have it in our own congregation. Two other congregations in our circuits nearby recently have had that. In fact, St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bonterra is having one this coming Saturday.
0: Great time to yeah. uh, to, uh Get that training in right before this big event. Right. What is it that that stands out, uh, or or what have you learned in those the the brief overviews of everyone is witness, that that you think will be helpful when it comes to witnessing? What is it that that uh, that is intriguing to you?
3: Well, to me, first of all, that it I think we should help to take away people's idea that witnessing is this big hard thing that I can't do. Um, because I'm not going to go and knock on doors and ring doorbells and talk to total strangers, but this is not talking about total strangers. This is talking with people that you already know and are in some sort of a relationship with. And, uh, and it's not some big complicated thing, but telling the faith in a simple way, using this opportunity to listen first and, and to ask questions and to seek these uh, opportunities to get to know the person and to, eventually get to the point where you get to share uh, the good news about Jesus. And also, I think, is a very Lutheran approach, as opposed to taking some non-Lutheran way of telling the gospel and trying to Lutheranize it. This is very much in keeping with how we confess our faith in the creed and how we teach the faith in the catechism. And I think it's, it's a, for me, it's a very natural thing, just as natural as teaching your children about Jesus and talking to you know, the, those nearest and dearest to you. You can talk to your friends and your neighbors in a simple way because it's part of who you are. You're a baptized child of God. You, uh, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. It's easy for you just to talk about that in a natural way, without being uh, holier than thou, without being obnoxious. It's just like, wow, isn't it wonderful? You know that the God who created the universe, who created the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and us, loved us so much that He gave His Son Jesus to die for us. It. This is awesome stuff. It's wonderful, and and it's just. To me, it's just a natural thing to talk about it, rather than something that's completely apart from my everyday life.
0: What I find interesting about it, the Lassie approach: listen, ask, seek, share, invite, encourage. The the hardest part is the first is the listen. And I think you know, specific to this example that we're talking about this this solar eclipse, the total solar eclipse, and the questions that others might have is to first listen to our neighbor, to our friend, uh, about what they're asking or what they think about the eclipse before we speak, because we may have a lot to tell them. I know we do. <laughs> as, as Christians, as Lutherans, we have lots to speak when it comes to God's word, uh, particularly when it comes to the gospel. But the, that, the first step is to listen. What are the questions? Do they have fears about this, uh, about this, this total solar eclipse that because it's unknown? Listen then speak.
3: (laughs) And I I think that's excellent advice, excellent advice. And and again, I'm just so thankful to God for this new resource from our synod. And I encourage our congregations to use it, our uh, pastors and lay people to to make use of this. And I pray it will be a blessing to us on August 21st And Mm if all through every day of coming years that people will see this as a wonderful opportunity to talk about our Savior and what He has done and still does for us and for our salvation. And and it can be as natural as talking about how wonderful this food is that God has given us or an awesome natural event such as a total solar eclipse and to use that as an opportunity to witness to God as our creator, as our redeemer. And as you said, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And as much as a person doesn't want to miss out on something as fun and exciting and awesome as a total solar eclipse, we certainly don't want to miss out on the salvation that only Jesus gives. And you want your family, your friends, your loved ones, everyone to know how wonderful it is to know the one who created you as the one who loves you, who redeems you, and who wants to have you with him forever in his eternal presence
0: thanks be to god indeed well god's blessings uh as you observe this phenomenal event (laughs) that uh that points us to the one uh who is far greater than any phenomena we might see in this world pastor worth always a pleasure to talk with you all things creation and uh thanks for coming on faith and family today it's my pleasure coming up in just a little bit thy strong word you're listening to the messenger of good news worldwide kfuo